Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. episode 435 of The Sausage Factory. In this episode, I interviewed Benjamin Lear of Dr. Block and asked him about the design and development of their VR dexterity-based platformer, Straylight. Straylight really encourages movement, fluid movement, but through a VR experience, which can be quite disorientating. But Straylight has been designed from the outset to make that as comfortable as possible to make sure that those who have a rather sensitive constitution don't suddenly turn green when they start playing it. Benjamin and I talk about this at great length and how that was achieved in various subtle ways, basically using one's hands movements to replicate the idea of movement in a rather fluid space. Also, relying on momentum when you're pulling yourself about, you're expecting yourself to be hurtling through space rather than being pushed around some strange cart or floating above a space when you're walking yet not walking. It's a fascinating discussion and I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed interviewing Benjamin. So, without further ado, let's listen to me from the relatively recent past talk to Benjamin about Straylight. Hello, Ben. Hello, Chris. Could you tell us who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, I am um, a developer on a small uh, VR studio uh, that has been working on the game uh, Straylight for the last uh, four or five years. Um, And I I kind of function as maybe the uh, game director, um, but I also designed all of the uh, the puzzles and the levels in the game. Which we'll delve into later. But before we do, yeah. let's find out a little bit more about you. Sure. How did you make your start making video games? 
So I have almost no background in video games myself. Um, I've been a, a writer, filmmaker, musician, all kinds of creative stuff for most of my life. And then uh, there was a global game jam in 2018, I believe. Uh, and a friend of mine who had met a friend at a party and me and him talk about video games all the time. And he was like, we're doing this game jam this weekend. And I was like, I don't have anything to do this weekend. So I went along to this game jam and uh, they had very recently bought a new uh, VR headset, Valve Index, I believe. Or no, it was before the Index. It was whatever one was before, the Vive. Um, and immediately fell in love with it. And we're like, well, we have to do a VR game. And that was sort of my start in game development. So I've, I've it has been a, a fun learning process over the last few years. So next question. What are your biggest influences as a creator? Um... I, I try to pull from a lot of things. I'm, I'm sure as a lot of people do. Um, I've been playing video games for most of my life, but I, uh, I'm i not very good at them. Um, so I, I tend to pull from, pull from like literary, literary and movie uh, experiences. Um, I, we, we, everybody on the team loves old school platforming games, the old Mario's and, and uh, uh, Zelda's and Crash Bandicoot's and all, all that good stuff. Um, but one of my biggest influences, oddly enough, for Straylight was uh, when I was a kid running through the wilds of Ohio, just running down a hill as fast as I could, and then trying to jump, grab onto trees and jump out of the way of things and not die. Um, and that, weirdly enough, was the probably the, the single thing I pulled most from when I was designing levels of Straylight, trying to capture that feeling. Um, but then obviously you pull from all kinds of uh, video game influence. Um, video game uh, uh, inspirations to to achieve that effect, really. Yeah, and it definitely shows that I can see that from uh, my experience with Straylight, which again, we'll talk into later. But uh, yes, but before we do, let's ask the next question. Your big, what, sort of, what video game developer do you admire most and why? Um... There's an outfit called uh, Coffee Stain um, that did uh, uh, the Sanctum games back in the day, most famously probably the Goat Simulator games. Uh, and then they've been developing a, um, a game called Satisfactory. And uh, I just I just love the way they uh, make games, the way they interact with their community. Uh, they seem to care very passionately about what they do, but they're absolutely fine with making fun of themselves and doing something extremely off the wall and goofy like goat simulator um they just everything in just seemingly that everything about the way they treat their employees the way they they try to develop games in an ethical uh reasonable responsible way while just having a blast doing it uh i just i i love those folks so that's probably probably my pick there's some other you know obviously valve and uh, there's some other ones devolver that are fantastic too but I, I love the coffee stain people. Wonderful choice. I, yeah, first time it's heard, actually. I'm embarrassed to admit. So step up, guests. Come on. Anyway. <laughs> Last question yeah, yeah. for the first half. Here we go. What are you playing right now? So um, I, oddly enough, I tend to be really obsessed with, like, factory building and automation games. Uh, it's sort of just almost like what I do at a low level. 
and then there will be other spikes of games that I play. So I'm always playing like Factorio and Satisfactory and whatever new gimmicky uh, city builder there is that's coming out. But um, I'm playing a little bit of uh, the the Hogwarts game now, which is just pretty much the prettiest thing I've ever seen. Um, and then I'm really looking forward to the uh, the Dead Space remake. The Dead Space remake when I uh, when I got a little bit more free time. Oh, well, that was the first half over and done with. Well done. Sure. Here we are. Let's move on to the second half of the show where we're going to be delving deep, or is that flying? Let's go with flying. Through the the the, the dizzying status that is no. stray light.
So, can you tell us what is Straylight? So, the easiest way to say it, um, even though we'll probably get sued if we keep saying it, is uh, Spider-Man in space. Uh, so, it's a... It's it's a basically an obstacle course game. The the only point is to get to the end of the level, uh, just like those those old school platformers that we love, um, and we hope that it gets increasingly harder and harder to do. But it's it's a, a movement based game. Um, you have sort of like these grappling hook uh, things that attach to these little nodes, and the nodes make an obstacle course, and we, that's really it. That's the only tools you have. Some breaks. That's as far as it goes in terms of controls. Um, but it's really about like getting momentum, figuring out how to dodge and duck and weave your way around these puzzles um, or uh, objects that'll kill you if you, you touch them or just stop you cold. Um, and that's it's it, we like to say it's it's simple, simple to learn and hard to master. Um, but at its core, it is really very basically, basically simple. You're just on an obstacle course. You're trying to get to the end. and that's it. There is the winching mechanic, which I adore. It gets you out of so much trouble because you remember yes. some loss and you hook onto something and you spin your hand around oh, yeah. vigorously. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're, you're wounding up like a, a, you know, a clockwork toy and you're flinging yourself across into oblivion. Yeah. Like, I overcooked that a bit. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'll be back to you. Hang on. We'll be right back. Yeah. That happens to me quite a lot. It's fine. Like, I'll be back. Hang on. <laughs> So the so everybody has their own version of that that whinging yeah. mechanic. Like some yeah. people just shake it real fast. Some oh. do some people do these big huge arm whipping motions. Yeah. It's it's fun to watch the different ways because it all all movement works. So yes. you can yes. move your hands in any way you want. And for some people dance. It, it's fun watching the different ways people have to navigate the game. So next question. Here we go. Momentum. Is so important in Straylight. How have you found modeling that without relying too heavily on real world physics? In that, you feel that the gravity isn't quite the same. There's, if it was real, you'd, you'd it would be, yeah, because if it was Earth gravity, it wouldn't end well for anyone involved, really. Right. So, how have you found managing that suspension of disbelief? Versus, you know, I mean, you're not flinging through this the sky with your your hooks and your well, not hooks, but it's like little laser beams lock onto these nodes, which are predefined. Everyone, it's sort of like state. Well, I'm not going to go into that, but initially, stuff. (laughs) But um, just so talk talk me through that. How have you found? Because that's the thing that really struck me is the game straight like that being anchored around that. Yeah. So uh, everything the game and. Uh, it might sound like a digression. I promise you it's not. But we, everything in the game, the very first thing we came up with in that game jam was we figured out how to solve VR movement without making you sick. <laughs> That's a bold claim that we've had a lot of trouble with over the years trying to trying to get people to believe because it's a, a bold game claim. But we figured it out almost instantly. And then we had to decide how to build an entire game around it because it's a very specific solution it only works if everything is very abstract and your um your movement is tied to your your hand motion and there is no ceiling walls or floor or anything around you that could function 
that would tell your brain that you're close to something. Okay, so that's the secret sauce of how how we did that. But we had to design the entire game from first principles a, around that that kind of thing. And the first thing was the grappling hook mechanic, and the way it works is, um, uh, some people have a little, you know, it takes a it takes a few minutes to get used to to figure out how how it works. But once you do, and including the gravity and the momentum and the way the ratio by which how much you move your hand, how fast it pulls you and and whatever. We had to design our own physics system so that it would trick your brain and your brain would just go, okay, this is all abstract. I'm not in a car. I'm not going to get sick. This is all fine. So it allows you to really do some crazy Spider-Man parkour stuff in space. And most most people don't have too much more discomfort than like a Beat Saber game or whatever. Um, so that was really really, really important to us with every single aspect of designing the game was maintaining that sense of comfort. We wanted this to be a game that uh, uh, somebody with hardcore VR legs could have fun with and enjoy and be challenged by, but also you could give it to your grandma and she could, you know, have a nice little time floating around in the universe too. Um, so the the momentum is is just a huge part of that and like dialing that in and getting that to work so it's fun, but it was still comfortable was was a challenge. I just felt that that was probably the most iterative aspect of Straylight, which is why I wanted to talk about it. So thank you. Next question. Yes. The plotting of the anchors stroke orbs. I kept on referring to them as anchors because that's like an anchor point. <clears throat> Feels a bit maths, though, so probably sorry about that, everyone. But it, it defines a possible route. <laughs> right, right. That the the player should be taking through stray light through the level. What do you do to encourage the players to experiment a bit? So, um, two of the uh, the members of our team, uh, the coders, are actually like really diehard um, speedrunners. Um, they love game, like uh, a huge uh, influence on the game. Uh, for the one of our guys, Dan is a cluster truck. And um, Celeste and finding like the kind of games where part of the fun is finding the the shortcuts through the game. So when we were designing the levels, um, because there's no walls or see, there was no real way to bound the player and keep them on a track other than limiting how long you can reach with your your thingamajig and then providing them a path. We also always wanted to. There's always a part that you can if you want to take a chance, you can wind yourself up and, and jump, right? Or you can you can try to squeak between the two things, the two balls that are going to kill you. Or um, you can try to find that shortcut, find that jump over the planet and catch on the other side if you want to. Um, we limit you by because you have to go through those checkpoints because um, there needs to be some sort of game in the game. But uh, we... Oh, <sighs> We really wanted we needed a we needed a, a bounded path that you have to follow, but then we also wanted to give you any opportunity you wanted to try to skip that path or go your own way as you can. But if you do, you might get punished for it, you know, like or not punished, but you're gonna be taking a chance, you know. It's you might not catch on to the node, you might crash into something, you might not get enough momentum and you might fall into the the planet or or whatever it is. Um, so we really tried to find that balance between um, keeping the player kind of on a game path, but also just letting them go wild. If you want to go wild, you can go wild. 
So next is a a presentation point. We've danced around this, but I want to now sure. narrow down onto the presentation of straight light. It is, as you say, conceptual. It's it's the the shapes and uh, it's all like low, uh, low polygon count, big colors, mm-hmm. bright colors, contrasting colors. Um, yeah, it looks a little, a little bit like Res, which is one of my favorite video yeah. games of all time. Um, so that was very welcoming. Thanks. Um, and but not only visually, but there's audio as well. That's <laughs> wonderful design, by the way. It's terrific stuff. Yeah. But there's a narrator or a computer or yeah, let's not delve into what they are. But they're there commenting on what you're doing. And it's not particularly positive. So what I'm going to talk about here is the narrator in Straylight has a very sardonic and caustic tone yes. for their delivery. They are constantly going, you did very well. Too well. You know, it's like, it's just, I have to ask, why did you take this? I can only describe it as adversarial narrator approach what what was the thinking behind that well we were um early on we realized the the actual game when we found what the game play was going to be we we wanted to have some light story elements but we didn't want them to be too obtrusive we wanted them to be something you could completely skip and and still enjoy the game uh and then we were worked through a few different different things we had this idea of a narrator and i I have a couple of nephews that really enjoyed playing the early builds of the game. Like they, they responded to it to a frightening degree. And my sort of tone as a, as an uncle has always been a little bit teasing, a little adversarial, a little like, you know, make, making fun of them to get them to try to do, do better. And they love it. Um, that sort of informed where that, that voice and tone came from. Obviously, uh, GLaDOS from Portal is a, is a huge influence there. I mean, that's, um, we tried to wear that wear that influence on our sleeve, but um, it it just seemed fun. honestly to to be perfectly honest, it was much less calculated and more of a fun little riff thing I did, and I put in the game to make the guys laugh, and then everybody liked it, and then we just decided to keep going with it, um, and just trying to give it give it a little personality and have and have some fun with it, you know, just like coffee stain. Yeah, it feels definitely like you know. Uh, the Stanley parable where you go, no, 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 he goes left. Oh, you go right. Oh, going there. It's, it's, this is what you're going to do, is it? Oh, right. And that kind of like, rather than, oh, I'm super excited, peppy person. It was just like, oh, just do whatever. I don't know. Whatever yeah. you, you think you're the best. Oh, just the whole but- negativeness. It's quite funny. So there was also, uh, it just made me remember when we were developing the game was still more early on in, in VR. There's a lot more content out now, but uh, with Windlands and To the Top and some of the other games that are a little bit touchstones here, I, I at least me personally, I'd always found these, they would have these voiceovers or narrators that were so positive and so helpful and so like, you can do it. Because um, they're trying to help you through this brand new vr thing that nobody would ever experienced before at which you know me i'm i'm a jerk so that always rubbed me it's fine but i was like let's let's do something a little different where where somebody's like sort of helpful but is also you know it just lives to see you fail 
They, they, yeah, they're informative. Don't know. Don't get this wrong, everyone. When you're listening to this, they're not like constantly hurling abuse at you. It's all passive aggression. But it's, you know, that's that's true. But they do, they do give you tips. They do actually help begrudgingly. That's what makes it right. funny. You know. Yeah. So uh, okay. Last question. Sure. Here it is. It's been really fun, by the way. Fantastic stuff. Yeah. The sense, the sense of reward the player has. In Straylight, when they avoid certain death and they manage to grapple onto a point just before they just barely reach, like, oh, I hit it. And then you, you get back into the game and it is really exhilarating. It really is. Wow. That sense of living on the edge of just borderline, I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail, I don't, I don't. And that's something that a lot of skill based games are just really nailing that's the point of them you know when you just just make it you know because that's the ultimate and efficient play because you're pushing the boundaries of the game and experience itself so was this always something you were aiming for or was it more something a product of what you've created or both so again because we we had to design the game to 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 make it comfortable to play, we had to we had to start from so many first principles and and just throw out a lot of tried and true game design stuff. Um, not because we're so cool, but just because it we we sort of had to. Um, we we sort of prototyped a bunch of different ways to use this grappling mechanic with these nodes in this empty space to try to find what was fun. Um, and we did a whole bunch of stuff, uh, some of which we might revisit someday. But what really seemed to gel with the whole team and what we all started to have the most fun with was exactly what you're saying here with these moments of like you, you narrowly miss something you just barely grab it or or you try 10 times to like i would love early in the game development cycle i would just i would basically build a level just to see if they could do it like i knew it was technically possible but just to and i'd we'd get together and then and it we really realized like it was fun fun to fail you know it was fun to try over and over and over again um until you get something until you do grab it or or you do have that split second dodging around a a spinning murder thing and then and then just barely make it it's exhilarating um again goes sort of goes back to me being a kid running running down a hill in the woods and just barely making the jump in time and then not rolling and tumbling and cutting myself and whatever uh so that that was, I, I would say, pretty early on we realized that was like that was what the game was, you know, trying to chase that feeling, and then uh, just became about like iterating on it. What what can we do? Okay, well, let's make the things spin, and then you got to dodge through the things spinning, and then later on in the hard mode levels, certain other things are like, you know, no spoilers, but uh, it, it gets pretty hard. There's a uh, lot lots more different challenges. Um, we uh, we just. Uh, in playing in letting people play the game at conventions because we started out pretty early in the process going out uh there's there's people who pick up the game and they they like follow in the path and they it's sort of a zen fun experience they like the challenge but it's really like you know whatever and then there's some especially younger people um that really respond to the challenge of the game but they're also like they just pick it up like that so we we sort of knew that we had to provide more more hardcore game for those people um, so that they, you know, because they might be able to get through the base game 
much more quickly than than most people. Um, so we wanted to have like extra challenge. They go back and race themselves and try to try to beat their own times and and all that stuff. So that's a uh, sort of the thinking behind some of the extra challenges in the game. And there is a robust leaderboard, of course, and that kind of thing. Yes. You can link to your friends and stuff. Um, so yeah, well, Stray Light. Yes, developed by Doctor Block. Lovely name for a developer. Can you tell us where it's from? So it's about? uh sure yeah that's um the first letter of most of our names except for O. There's nobody with with an O on the team. So Dan, Rob, um, Chris, or uh, Dan, Rob, Ben, Len, no O, and Chris. So Doctor Block. Nice. I like it. And uh, what is what platforms is Straylight available on? We like to say that if it's VR, you can play Straylight on it. We've we've got it for the uh, the Quest One, the PSVR, um, old PSVR, uh, and any Steam VR headset, any Windows Mixed Reality headset. Um, uh, yeah, and unless it's, I don't think you can play it on Google Cardboard, but everything else you can <laughs> nice. you can play Straylight on. Yeah, I've got it on the Quest Two because. For me, yes, that's three platforms in one. We, I, we, we, it's the idea. It's the ideal experience. We tell people all the time. It's it's the best way to play Straylight. It's it's yeah. fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, excellent. Well, Ben, it's been fantastic having you on the show. It really has. Thanks, Chris. It's been it's been super fun. Love yeah. chatting with you. It has, and uh, more than welcome to come back. Uh, sure, love uh, to. We've, uh, we've we've had a lot of return guests over the years. Great. And, uh, yeah, whatever's cooking in your brain right now, we'll be here. Trust me, we'll be here. All right. <laughs> so, uh, but in the meantime, thank you very much. Thank you. This was fun. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and at our website, canerince.com. <laughs>